Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's hard-hitting Axis Arrows. Learn more about Easton's cutting-edge and fuse carbon arrow technology today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Editor Christian Berg. Welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and we are always glad that you take a little bit of time out of your day to be with us and uh, just enjoy and celebrate this great sport of chasing animals uh, with a bow and an arrow. It uh, right now is the middle of April. Turkey season is in full swing in a lot of states and getting ready to open up here most everywhere else. And I've got a guest today that has a lot of turkey hunting knowledge and a pretty cool new twist on an age-old turkey hunting tactic. Uh, Jason Michael is a pro staffer, a pro hunter for an outfit called decoyplanet.com. He's currently in the midst of a multi-state turkey odyssey. I don't know how many he's stacked up, but uh, Jason, uh, welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Thanks for taking the time. Tell me what you're up to, where you're at, and how many birds you've got under your belt this spring. Well, right now I'm currently in the state of Nebraska. Uh, we finished up a little bit this morning here, and I'm working my way down to northwestern Missouri, kind of in the, the Marysville University College, is close to us up there in the northwest corner. But I've actually been filming and donating time the last three or four days, and we had a couple swing and a misses there the last two or three days. And then uh, the middle part to the end of, of uh, last week, I was just real fortunate. Uh, I've had a piece of real estate, about 1,600 acres, in central Nebraska, almost right on the crosshairs. And uh, real fortunate opening morning for for my hunt season actually comes in the three-week bow season in Nebraska, starts March 25th, but I was into April there a little bit. Shot a triple bearder and a double bearder about 15 minutes apart on film, and then I migrated uh, a little further uh, east, and it ended up collecting my third bird on film as well with a group of hunters. So you've got three Nebraska birds under your belt, and now you're heading to Missouri for some more, huh? Going to, going to try and fill just the first week. I'll be there for Monday morning. We'll scout all this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. There's a one bird for that first week, and then I'll be pulling out and moving on to back into the Pennsylvania, New York part of the world and uh, spending some time there. Well, that's great, Jason. I know there's been a lot of good action out in Nebraska this spring because we actually had uh, Danny Ferris, our associate publisher, and Jeremy Eldridge, who's the marketing uh, manager at Hoyt Archery. They're, uh, they make an annual trip out there with their children, and they, uh, Danny and Jeremy and four, four of their boys made a little pilgrimage to Nebraska last week, and they killed 12 birds in three days among the six of them. So that was pretty good. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was uh, 11 with the bow and one with a shotgun. So yes, good, good hunting out there. For those of you who are listening, you know, sometimes we get requests from readers. People want to know, you know, where's a good place to go a, do a do-it-yourself hunt that isn't going to break the bank? And Nebraska, Kansas, turkey hunting, you really can't go wrong. Um there's a lot of public land, there's a lot of birds, and it's relatively inexpensive when you look at a lot of other hunts that you can try and do a road trip with. Uh, Jason, 
tell me uh, a little bit about actually I'm going to back up I want to give a story okay I got a dog I don't know if you have a dog Jason but if you've ever no, gone, I don't. if you've ever gone to pick out a dog okay you ever go and see a bunch of puppies right so you go and you're thinking about yep. getting a dog for the family the mom's there and then maybe there's six eight ten puppies and they're all climbing around all over each other and there's always that one right what do we call him he's the runt there's always the runt to the litter and he's always the last puppy left nobody wants the runt and eventually it's just mom and this one little runt puppy and sooner or later you know some family comes along and they feel bad and they take the runt and you know he goes he or she goes to his home you guys have kind of uh done the something similar with turkey hunting only in the turkey world the runt is not treated nearly as kindly as it might be in the dog world there's nobody to take pity on a runt turkey as you know as a turkey hunter i'm a turkey hunter you're a turkey hunter all the turkey hunters out there know if there's a turk turkeys aren't really friendly you know they kind of coexist but they hate each other they all i don't know why they hate each other's guts and you know if there's ever a turkey that looks like it's weak or suffering anyway man those other turkeys just can't wait to beat the living daylights out of that one that looks like he's having some difficulties there's no compassion so with that as my opening you guys have i'm going to tell you right now kind of a goofy weird looking new decoy called the little run and I mean, I got to be honest with you. The first time you look at that thing, you think there's no way I, I want to hunt with that. Uh, how did you come up with this idea? And what is this thing? And what are you doing with it? Ultimately, when it first came about, this is the start of my fourth season with the Little Run Decoy. But the past three years, ultimately, when we started back in the beginning, I wanted something that could be user-friendly, very small, very packable, and could go in my turkey vest and yet have the same success and odds in my favor as a bow hunter or even the shotgun hunters. Just upping my odds and being simple, 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 the KISS system, keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. That's where it all stemmed from, the simplicity of it. What I didn't really see at first but had an idea is that it's inferior. And a lot of people deem it as just a very accurate, anatomically built correct type head with the stiff snood based off of a jake form the mold for the head and it comes down the neck it's looking just like a turkey and then it continues going down into the body long and cylindrical no wings no tail no major breast feathers we don't even get to that part figure it being like 17 18 19 inches long give or take it's just a small cylindrical body and when I hold it by the middle of the neck and the feathers to people at the show, I just say, all that turkey truly cares about is from my hand up. And the head is on the money, color-wise, bright red waddles. And when they see the fire engine red, that resembles fight and that resembles breeding. So we got that working for us. And rather they're coming 60, 80 yards out, they still identify that head. If it's in tall grass, you know, in 6, 8, 10 inches of grass and the upper half sticking out, they still, it's just the head that matters to them. But ultimately, in the long run, is what happened. Besides it being small and user-friendly for you, the hunter, it's also, it's equally important on the other side of that spectrum. It's small and non-offensive. And you see the full-body strutters, and I'm not here to knock any of them. They're great products. All's, all's a decoy is is a tool. 
that those full-body strutters, on their best success, in just my opinion, are a 50-50 item. I've seen them work great, and when they work bad, they work bad. And the turkey may skirt that large, full strutter. He doesn't pot or run off. He just skirts it. Maybe it's a two- or three-year-old that knows there's a couple of better three- or four- or five-year-old inch-and-a-quarter, inch-and-a-half-type spur birds in their part of the world. They're just not going to take the chance and going in and having their butt whooped. This thing state alone, and that's another key, we stake it by itself. I want to be simple. A lot of guys where I'm from in Pennsylvania and New York, they go remote, and they walk back in one, two hours up in Tioga and Potter County in the northern regions of PA. It less is better. And if they got a bird coming and they're working and he's committed, all you need is that one simple little decoy. Don't even have to take any extra hens or additional shakes or flock-type uh, scenarios along with you. Why, but why, why don't you use a hen with it, and why don't you think that's necessary? Have you tried with and without and come to a conclusion? We have. We have. And actually, many, many, many years ago, before there was ever a pretty penny or the different pens that were bedded, we had footage and we aired it. And in fact, Christian, years ago, I was on with uh, Lon Lobber and David Drew was filming for us, and, and we were doing a thing there for, for Bowhunter. That they've never seen nothing like that, and that footage got out, and different companies by the next year come out with a bedded hen, and I can back up the footage almost eight, nine years ago. There was no squatted bedded hen anywhere in the industry, but we do use from time to time a, a, a decoy. It does help draw a little more appearance to there, but I guess my big reason would be I've had several hens out and other jakes that weren't as effective looking as this, and they go right by them. We actually had uh, a guy in Florida this year put out a real mounted jake strutting, four or $500 item. Mm-hmm. On film, I'm glad he did it. On film, he was doing stuff for Remington shotguns. That bird on film bypasses within three to four yards of that strutter jake and went over to this one, the little runt, being small and inferior because he knew he could, it was like a guaranteed butt whooping for him. And ultimately, anybody that's ever been around any sports, it kind of has that that male-type testosterone feeling. We all get it sometimes. When we walked out on the football field or when I looked across the wrestling mat at someone, you knew, you knew if you were going to have your hands full of that with that individual that, that evening or not. And it's the same thing in the turkey world, and you nailed it perfectly on the head, Christian, earlier on. What is it about these birds that they just want to absolutely eliminate each other? And anybody that's been around farm chickens, when one gets sick, which happens a lot when they're all clustered up in there together, they just literally, literally start pecking their eyes out. And they just, any advantage they can get on something small or weak, or as you and I have both deemed as the little runt of the litter, they just take advantage of that. And, and that's where the second part of being small and non-offensive they know they can come in, and they know they can hand that decoy's butt, so it's easy for them to come in and peck on it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, again, it's it's tough doing an audio format here. We can't actually show a picture of the little run to people, but you you got to see it. If you're listening and, you know, you're, you're somewhere where you have access to a computer, you can go to decoyplanet.com to actually see a picture of the little run. And uh, if you're not, you know, go ahead and check that out later on. But it's just like Jason said, you know, I actually, you sent a couple over to the office here. Our season here in Pennsylvania doesn't open up until 
well, next Saturday is the youth day, and I'm going to take my, my oldest boy out. So I'll have my first chance to give it a try next Saturday. But I, I brought it home, and I took it out of the little box and showed it to him. And I said, hey, I said, I got a new turkey decoy for us to use. And I pulled it out, and I showed it to him. And he looked at me, and he looked at the decoy, and he said, it's just a head? And that's exactly like you said. You know, that's what it looks like. It looks like a head and a neck and a steak. So definitely, definitely different. And, you know, there's not a lot of different things in turkey hunting anymore. I mean, yeah, there's always a, a bunch of new calls that come out every year. But, you know, they're just diaphragm calls and slate calls and box calls. And they haven't really changed dramatically and the and the decoys have been similar and this is this is a little odd but you have seen really good results with it like you said you're in your fourth year you've done a lot of filming with the little run and you actually have some videos that people can watch as well right yeah and i'll tell you one of the the, the simplest things for people to just catch on to it at first is to go to youtube.com and type in the little runt and I usually put HD behind it for a high definition. The Little Runt HD. And there's like a two-minute and six-second trailer on there. And uh, you'll get a pretty good idea from, from that right there alone what you're, what you're dealing with. Mm. So ha, tell me about your, your hunting background. I mean, you actually said that uh, you're, you're a real serious turkey hunter now, but you weren't always that way. You had said you started getting into turkey hunting as a way to just kind of keep your skills sharp for for whitetail hunting uh what is it about turkey hunting that you know really captivated you and, and how much time are you spending uh hunting turkeys uh in a given spring nowadays uh excellent question and, and like we talked earlier uh probably two weeks ago i ultimately just started turkey hunting with a shotgun and traveling back 15 years ago and i'm 39 years old now served four years in the Air Force, and even while I was in my early 20s, was stationed in Utah and trying to take advantage of the Black Hills of South Dakota and trying to get a Merriam's and ended up with a Jake and just as happy with that as anything. But from that point on, 15 strong years ago with with traveling, uh, just went after the Grand Slam a couple times and, and accomplished that and just became pretty darn successful at it. And again, trying to better myself as a whitetail bow hunter, I got access to a lot of ground in Kansas and, and, and uh, Missouri, Ohio, just just walking around when really nobody's in the woods thinking about whitetails. That's ultimately what I was doing, and uh, just had a shotgun on my back. But then the light switch kind of came on, and just bit, bit by bit, I would see someone trying to bow hunt with them on film, and I thought, man, that has got to be just another notch in my belt. I have to try this. And to be honest with you, the last six years I've dedicated to, to bow hunting turkeys. And it's just something that just, you know, all of us as bow hunters, there's something that draws us to that realm of coming to full draw and settling the pin. And, and, and honestly, all these years later, being on top of good whitetails and many, many, many dozens of, of bow kill turkeys under my belt, it still, it still pushes me to the limit. And any of us, it doesn't matter if it's a target in the backyard, if there's a group of people watching, or if you're face-to-face -face with nature at full draw, it tests you. And I love that challenge. I love that feeling. And it never, ever, ever gets old. And ultimately, that just rolled over into me being a, a borderline professional bow hunter for turkeys and, and whitetails and traveling and, and living the outdoor dream. Yeah, and you were telling me you've even been down into Mexico for 
for oscillated turkeys and Gould's turkeys. So you've you've probably killed every kind of turkey there is to kill. We have, and actually last year I, I went after something that I knew it was going to be quite an accomplishment, but having possibly as many as six Grand Slams under my belt with a bow, all in consecutive springs each year accomplishing that, and then crossing the border and going down into Mexico City, where we would venture up into the Sierra Madres mountain range, uh, we would go after the Gould's turkey. And I've now killed, I've been down three trips and killed maybe six of those on some of the trips I would double up. The Gould's turkey with the bow, wonderful habitat, amazing bird to be around in, in, in that region, very workable, non-pressured birds. And then we jump down into the Yucatan Peninsula for that peacock-looking bird, the oscillated turkey, which to give someone a better geographic uh, picture of that, you hear of people going and vacationing in Cancun, Mexico. Basically, you're in them. But we, by choice, go about five to seven hours drive south of there. And I've been there three times and have connected uh, on several oscillated turkeys and with the bow as well. My first time down ever for the Goulds and Oscillated was shotgun. And then from there, last year, I went after what's called the Grand Slam, the World Slam, the Mexican Slam, which means you just kill a Rio turkey that's in Oklahoma or Texas, just one mile across the border, but you have to go into Mexico to harvest that. That's now called the Mexican Slam. And then we get on a plane and we went to Ontario, Canada, and went after just another eastern turkey, just like in Pennsylvania or Georgia or Missouri, another eastern turkey, but in the providence of Ontario, Canada. And then from there, we flew out to British Columbia, and we went after the Merriams, just like in Idaho or Nebraska or South Dakota, the same bird, but in a different location, British Columbia, and that is called the Canadian Slam. So I did all four slams in one spring. It actually took me, to be accurate, 62 days. And it's never been in the National Wild Turkey Federation, and they, they backed me on this and researched it. It has never been attempted, even by a shotgun hunter, in one legal spring turkey hunting season. And Christian, we did it with a bow on film, every hunt, at 10 yards with a little runt decoy, with the exception of the oscillated birds. We didn't obviously use that eastern-looking bird decoy on them. And uh, and the other thing was, uh, to the best of their knowledge, was I harvested 19 adult gobblers in that one spring and uh, just kind of hit the nail on the head for me and, and uh, set those two records. And uh, it just, you know, I didn't see one of them, that, that amount of birds coming. I didn't see that. And to the best of my knowledge, I didn't know anybody really didn't try that. But after it was all said and done, that was that was the, the final chapter. And, and we set those two records. That's a lot of drumsticks, my man. It's a lot of drumsticks. Oh, my heavens. Um, what are you going to do with all that footage that you have on film? We're assembling that and putting that together. And actually, as we're speaking now, we're preparing for, as you're very well of your hometown crowd there, the Harrisburg and Eastern Sports and Outdoor Show. We're going to be there next year for nine days. And then we'll do all the deer and turkey expos, like Illinois, Ohio, possibly the Michigan one, and then back up to Wisconsin. We had a great, great time up there two weekends ago. With this, what we're looking at now, entertaining the thought of, with every decoy sale, and we're selling the decoy at the shows now for the specials when, when we're there for $25. 
and online. You'll see them sometimes on Decoy Planet for $34.99. For those who have a special code, they can enter it in, and they get it for $25 as well online, and that's tax shipping and handling included. But when we're at the shows, and we're going to be all over, actually we're going to be in Alabama uh, the third weekend in July, and I believe it's, I think, in the Montgomery area. But uh, when we sell a decoy, we're actually going to possibly be giving the DVD away. Mm. And it's good advertisement for us, but it's free entertainment for you. And the majority of all those kills will be on that DVD, edited, fully edited for your entertainment. That sounds like it's going to be some good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about turkey hunting tactics and strategies for bow hunters. Obviously, you've got a lot of bow-killed turkeys under your belt. And uh, for those of us who are just getting ready to start doing some turkey hunting in our own home stomping grounds, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about how you would go about uh, attacking a turkey hunt in a given area in terms of your scouting and then your um, actual setup and execution uh, on a hunting day. Absolutely. Uh, and again, growing up with, uh, starting out with a shotgun in hand, you know, you make a couple calls, you hear them out there, maybe you get the, in Pennsylvania, what we used to call the see-me disease. And what that means is I see me a better tree, and it may be 5 yards or 15 yards, and you're on pins and needles and eggshells trying to get to that just a little closer and tighten things up. And then when the head would appear, sometimes at 30 yards, and they stand upright, and you think, oh, my word, he's seen me, which most times he did. He's just being a turkey. You pulled the trigger. With whitetails, well, I'm sorry, with turkeys, we're on the other end of that extreme. And I, I have to be perfectly honest with you, any setup I do, with even if I'm not using a blind on that particular day and just trying to cover ground and take advantage of a ditch or whatever and move in, we hunt turkeys as if you would a whitetail bow hunter and obviously most everybody listening to this is familiar with that you pick a determined location and you try to be where he's going to want to be whether he's coming from feeding back to bedding or bedding off to feeding or even more important for the rut hunters that magic funnel there's one tree in the woods that more whitetails walk by than any other tree on that property your job as a bow hunter is to try and find it and the reason i'm elaborating on this is hunt the turkeys with a bow and arrow like you would a whitetail. Get in their travel path, maybe not too close to the roost where we're at in Oklahoma, Nebraska, Kansas. Sometimes you would think, man, why don't we get any closer? We just don't want to chance anything. Sometimes we intentionally stay three, four, five hundred yards away, but we know because of scouting them from a distance, just like a whitetail, that is where they're going to stand. And again, no matter what decoy it is you're using, in our case, the little run, we stake it at 10 yards. I used to be a little leery and keep it at 15, pushing 18, and watching TV over the years and getting braver and more accomplished myself. If I had to truly prove a point, I would probably put it at 4 or 5 yards just to prove a point. But you're almost getting critical close to where they might hear a little something in the blind or catch the littlest movement which they do anyway at 10 to 12 yards. But my, my recommendation is get in their path, stake the decoy at 10 yards, and more times than not, and I've, it doesn't really matter, but just by choice, I take that decoy and face it straight at me. And on film, I've proven this, sometimes quartering at me a little bit, but in some fashion or another, I almost very rarely ever face it straight away. 
if I face it at me, that bird's going to come in and cut it on the front quarter of it and strut or walk or do his little little ordeal to try and come in face-to-face with this little runt, coward-looking guy. And again, the decoy is holding his posture upright. He's not backing down. He's standing his ground. His waddles are red. He didn't show much submission there. And that usually sets them guys off, whether it's even another Jake, because they're three times the size of this decoy. So now they feel, man, this is someone I can beat up on. Perfect opportunity for the youth in the mentor program, someone that just wants to harvest a turkey with the bow, which it really truly in the end doesn't matter if it's a Jake. And you go out the next day if you have multiple tags and shoot another Jake. You killed a turkey with a bow. Game over, mission accomplished, you're my kind of hunter. But if you stake that, and whether those jakes or adults come in and circle that, you just might get lucky where he's full strut looking straight away, which is what we call the money shot in the turkey world. And it's perfect when you come in the back door and it comes out in the center of his breast. It's almost, when we're editing, almost a six-second game. On a long day, it's 10 seconds, and they expire. Mm. So we're trying, trying to lure that bird in and he'll want to go face-to-face. Sometimes he'll come in off the back quarter, but here's another really, really important key. Even if you wanted it at 20 yards or wanted it at 4 yards, whether you faced it straight away, your majority of all your people, let's just be safe and say 90 to 95% of the people are going to sometimes be filming or they'll have their youth along or they just want a place to be, they're going to be in a blind. Do not, even if the bird's at 10 yards... Uh, the decoy's at 10 yards and the bird's at 20 and you can peek out through and see him and he's coming, he's coming, he's coming and he stops and goes upright real quick he's just being a turkey you'll be able to get your shot he's going to obviously turn and start walking away because nothing major's happened then you could get your shot you know, and he's starting to walk off, bow or shotgun give him, give him, give him the benefit of the doubt again, he's just being a turkey and then, whoop, he drops right back down in goes into that crouch half posture walk and here he comes let him come in let him touch the decoy let him brush his breast up against it i had a good friend this morning shoot an 11 inch bearded rio with inch and a half spurs i actually talked to him about two two hours ago randy collins in oklahoma he said that bird came in and stood and looked at the decoy he didn't like it he didn't hate it he just stood there like it was his buddy and he waited about over the course of one more minute he said the turkey physically put its breast up against the decoy. So what I'm saying to, to all the listeners, if it's your first time bow hunting, it's not easy to do this. And even if you got one or two hits and misses on your belt, it does test you because you may only get a weekend or two a year to do this. So you're going to be amped up, and that's why we play the game. Let that turkey commit to that decoy to the point that he's fighting it, pecking it, knocking it down, and in some cases it looks like he's trying to breed it because they are, because they're turkeys and they're silly. Letting get so occupied in that, you could literally start throwing stones out at him. We verbally talk to him on film. Let him get committed. So you, the bow hunter, it gives you the optimum amount of time to come to full draw and make the best shot possible. So let the bird commit to it. Don't panic when he's two or four yards away coming, unless you as the hunter read into it enough. You know, we, many of us have plenty of experience to go, boy, that's, he doesn't like that. And he starts adjusting these wings when he's back because he's nervous. And now he maybe took a step or two going away, but he's not leaving. Get on your horse and get an arrow in him. 
but just ultimately face the decoy at you, mm-hmm. stake him at 10 yards, and let him commit to it so you get the best shot possible. Now, there's a lot of good information there, but you didn't even touch on something that everybody wants to talk about when we're talking turkey hunting. You shot didn't, placement. No, you didn't. <laughs> You didn't talk about calling one time. And that's what we all really want to do is we want to run out there and pull our box call out yep. and we want to crank on that thing, Jason. Come on, yep. man. you got to talk calling. Yep, we do. <laughs> and, it's, and it's funny you say that. And But here's the thing. I sat with a group of guys yesterday with a call manufacturer from North Carolina, and, and they flew in, and the guy uh, was sitting there with us with his other partner, and I'm in a separate blind 10 yards away trying to film the approach and everything to get a different angle. And, Man, did they ever lay on the horn? And I just chuckled a little bit, and I thought, you know what? Maybe in Merriam's country, but not where we're from, Christian in Pennsylvania. There is such a thing as overcalling, and it's probably your worst enemy. But again, back to being in the path of that turkey is important, and absolutely. uh, Traveling all over Pennsylvania, and again, Christian, you know, very competitive state for turkey calling. And I called on the circuit for years with a mouth call, and just about can do anything imaginable with a mouth call and, 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 and then some. For the past three years, I have not put a diaphragm call in my mouth. By choice, because of the etchiness, the rich in tone, just find a box call because you're in the blind, you're out of the elements if it's sprinkling a bit so it's safe. And I really like glass and some of the glass over slates, slate calls. Just good, richy calls. And I will fire it up. I will cut. And I will, you know, it's a saying in any relationship, if I can put it that way. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you've got to get in his mind, and you've got to amp up your yelps. Just basic yelps. Don't just get monotone with it and answer back. Sure, he's going to gobble, maybe hold his ground. But if you pull out a box and then amp the yelps up and arc them and pitch them, get a little excitement feeling in there. Absolutely. Call to the bird. Let him be aware of your location, even if he's coming that way anyway. Just more ease of mind, comfort, and uh, kind of something I touched on there a little bit, shot placement, especially with these broadheads. We're shooting various kinds of broadheads and experimenting. Do not change what you shoot a whitetail with to shoot a turkey. Maybe a couple pounds lighter, whatever, but I shoot by choice even with whitetails low to mid-60s. I don't approach the 70 mark myself. And we're shooting various kinds of broadheads on top of the drumsticks. Not where their legs meet their body. Another three to four inches angling up towards the base of their neck. Their their legs come up and then their drumsticks kind of go more forward towards 2 o'clock if they're facing over to the right. Just right in the middle core of the body. Especially broadside in a walking stance. Broadside strutting be patient because you may be asking for trouble and you're going to be forward and into the breast more than you think until you get used to reading that. But right above the drumsticks, and as they're standing there with their wings normal, not strutting as if they're walking, more times than not on footage, I walk out and I cut that bottom feather off, and it's almost a shoe-in. And if you were a little low or pulled it a little low left, you just cut the top of the drumsticks off or left them. And in my opinion, that's almost a 100% recovery. It may turn into what we call one of those shoot them again things where you run them down and get them by hand, but nevertheless, it happens. That's part of the game. But just shoot the middle out. We almost say gut shoot them because their vitals in all that region and they're smaller than a tennis ball. Their intestine tract, 
their heart, their lung, their liver, it's all in there, right in the middle. And you just send some big blast of a broadhead through the middle, you, you can nail them. But if you're out of the box a little bit or up in the breast or run it up high off their back, they're tough as any whitetail you ever deal with, and you will not get them. You'll look till you're blue in the face, and it just won't happen. They'll run off, and it won't even face them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, center, center mass them. Just drive them right in the middle. If they're looking straight at you, I know you don't want to cut the beard off, but you almost got it. And just drive it right through them, right in the middle. Yeah, sounds like you like the, the head-on and the straight-away shots best. If you can get it, you bet. And uh, if they're just standing there broadside and they're, like, fighting with the decoy and have their wing out, keep popping it in the head, I've slid it in under that a couple times on film. And right as their quarter anatomy has been a good shot for me, too. Anything head-on, and like you said, if they're walking straight away, I almost want to, if I can get it, to be a little quartering to the right or left, shooting them straight up the top of the tail as if they're walking and they're not strutting, walking straight away. Mm-hmm. Drilling them right square in the back, been a tough shot. It, 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 it works and it don't. And boy, you're 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 playing with the odds there a little bit. If you can slide it into the where their tail meets their body as they're quartering away on the right or left where the base of their tail is, you're flirting with just about ninety nine percent if you can drill it right there at ten, twelve, fifteen yards. Mm. Well, it uh, we've all been there, you know. There's they are they are tricky little birds if you don't get them just right unfortunately and uh yep. oh they don't bleed that's the worst thing they're not easy yep. to follow Terrible. if they cover ground so yep yeah and you know christian if you don't mind me saying it, and it's something i talk about a lot in the seminars and i'll get up there and i'll, I'll tell people straight up we're going to see some footage today and a lot of this footage isn't even going to have an arrow or a shotgun going off we're going to watch the turkey we're going to watch his posture coming in. Pay attention to that snoot on top of their beak. Critical, critical. As a bow hunter for whitetails, you see a whitetail skirting at 60, 70 yards in the timber or coming down a field edge, and you get his attention with just some light, light, I mean ever so light tickling with the antlers or a rattlebag, and maybe tapping with a grunt tube. More times than not, the attitude comes in. A quick, a quick mean look with the ears back, and he flicks his tail. And he commits to you. And that tail is everything in the whitetail world. With the turkeys, watch their postures. They draw back, kind of like puffing up or flexing when someone walks into a crowd they want to be, be, be seen. So they put their arms out and get more confident and cocky. Turkeys do the same thing. Honor that immensely. Just pay critical attention to that and watch that snoot on top of their head. If it's tight and tense, he's coming in, he's not sure. Sometimes, obviously, it's all the way down, and he's in his breeding mode, and he's strutting. Well, that's a shoe in there. He's obviously very comfortable. But pay attention to detail with that bird when he comes in. But what I was going to touch on, when we're giving seminars and watching that, I tell people straight up, it's obvious you can come down by the booth and see all the success photos. Everybody on TV a lot only see the good things. I'm here to tell you I'm human, and I've made I've been so fortunate to shoot at so many turkeys with a bow and arrow in the last five to six years. That means if you are any kind of bow hunter, you have any ounce of bow hunting in you at all, I would be a bold-faced liar to tell you I've made a lot more mistakes than anybody could ever imagine. And I've learned the hard way. And I have hit turkeys and not recovered them. I've piled them hard with an arrow and not got them at all, and they run off. 
So I've learned, and, and I'm, I'm just telling you, like you said, they can be they can be so tough for only being 18, 20 pounds that you will honor them. You will learn to respect them real quick if you try to rush a shot or you aren't extremely pinpoint accurate with it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I still... I have a video. I have a I have a frame clipped out from a video from last spring in Iowa. I was shooting with those Xeon Fusion veins. Yeah, uh, you know, and you can really see those things. They're pretty cool. The way that they gather all the light to the back of the vein, and it's almost like a fiber optic on the back of your arrow. You and bet. I, and yep. I and I have I have the frame of my fletching burying right into the chest of this gobbler, and. That arrow zipped through him, and he kind of jumped about a foot off the ground and came back down and stood there and looked around and walked into the woods. And we waited uh, a, a good while, and we didn't see him really moving in there. And we went in there, and do you think we ever found that bird? I don't know where he went. Oh, be darn. <laughs> and, 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 but, and chances are, and, and, and being on the side of, of nature more times than not, because how many deer get hit with bullets and arrows and, more importantly, vehicles, yeah. and people are just sick, and the outfitter calls, or a landowner goes, hey, that deer, with my daughter had it the other night. He's out here running a doe right now. It's the same deer. He has that same 8-inch drop time yeah. on him, or yeah. a broken G2. Yeah, I don't know. Your bird, your bird more than likely made a Christian, and I don't say that just to patronize you or make you feel better, but more times than not, you'll be surprised, and I have more footage to back it up on my silly mistakes that I have made. Those birds lift, and they've actually been followed up a week later with another bow kill or a shotgun hunter. There's my broadhead cut through the breast yeah, out ahead of the wishbone, and I didn't get them. I just obviously didn't get vitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I know I was just a little forward on that shot, and it was breast meat, man. You, you put a two-inch yep. two rage through a turkey, you'd think it was going to die, but I don't know. That's just a big slice through breast meat, man, and that's what the arrow that's looked it. like, too. It looked like you took your arrow and shoved it through two chicken breasts. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know? yep. So it is. Yep, you're right. It uh, just leaves you shaking your head, you know, but uh, oh, it's tough. It's tough, but you never really... You never really get over that stuff, you know. I'm sure all your failures, I don't know about you, man, all my failures are vivid in my mind at least as much, if not more so, than my successes. So No doubt. And in different times in the seminars or any little writings I've done, there's one thing I'll live and die by. There's like three or four quotes I've kind of tried to, I guess, coin the phrase of, and one of them is, learn to, learn to value your misses. You have to, and you learn from that. And you you will never forget them. Once you once you get shocked by a fence once, when you walk up there the next day, you're going to be you're going to be paying attention to it in the dark, thinking now somewhere around here yesterday morning I got shocked coming in here turkey hunting in the morning. I'm not going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. But if you learn if you learn to value your misses, you know that's that's where we all drop down on that level with each other. We've all been there. We confide in it with each other, and we move on and grow together. And you'll, you'll be better because of it in the long run. And we all we all been there, and guess what? It's going to happen again. It's part of the game, and we just have to be prepared to deal with it. If you do, if you bow hunt long enough, you will miss, and you will eventually lose game, unfortunately. But uh, yep. but doesn't have to happen real often if, like you said, you're patient, you know, don't give in to that urge that we all have, like you said, you know, I'm one that even though 
I work for a bow hunting magazine, you know, I don't get to enjoy as many days in the field every spring as you do. And when I get a bird that comes within 20 yards, I'm tempted to say it's time to shoot, you know, <laughs> and I yep. think, I yep. think we all are, we all have to fight that urge. So, um, it's easier said than done, but it's good advice, Jason. Listen, man, it's been, it's been good talking with you today. Uh, I really appreciate your, your insights on turkey hunting and uh, shot placement on just kind of reading the bird's body language and behavior around decoys. I'm glad that you're having such good success with the little runt. I think it's a very appropriate name for that thing. And uh, hopefully I'll have some good word of mouth for you in another week or two myself if I can find some birds here in Pennsylvania and see how they react to it. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on how we make out. That would be huge. So love to have a photo of your son for, for the website. Anything with the youth and anything with the women, we, we just really honor getting a lot of those photos if we can. Well, that's great, Jason. I appreciate it again. And uh, just a quick reminder on the way out here, again, it's decoyplanet.com if you want to see the little run. And if you want to get in uh, touch with Jason, I'm sure there's uh, got to be a link somewhere on the website there to, to get get a word to him so thanks again man appreciate your time i wish you the best of luck the rest of this spring and i'm sure we'll be talking again soon thank you christian hey thank you bye-bye thanks for listening to peterson's bow hunting radio presented by easton's hard-hitting access arrows for more information pick up a copy of peterson's bow hunting magazine on newsstands now